Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is In the Trenches, where I'm joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman, Mike Ingersoll and E.J. Wilson. Carolina on Saturday laid the smackdown on the Virginia Tech Hokies. There was a lot of talk about the after effects of Hurricane Ian, Virginia Tech being a team that kind of embraces the games being won in the trenches and embraces trying to be more physical than North Carolina. But Saturday, it was all Tar Heels. UNC wins 41 to 10 from Keenan Stadium. Mike, starting with you, what were your biggest takeaways from the game? Um, it's hard to pass protect on a slippery surface, particularly when that surface is, uh, turf, um, grass can get slippery, but if it's cut right and it's drained properly, it's definitely easier to stand on and, um, stay dry on than it is than turf is. But, um, you know, we, we had some issues in pass protection that I don't think are indicative of a bigger problem. I think it is more indicative of the, uh, elements. We'll talk about that. Um, I saw some missed assignment things, and, and this is just nitpicky stuff because I thought, I mean, you score 41 points on Virginia Tech. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if it's a down tech or not. I mean, that, that program has always had a stout defense, and it's still tech. It's still a rivalry game for us um, and has become a rivalry game over the last 15 years or so. So, you know, this is all nitpicky stuff, but I saw some missed assignments. Obviously, the, the big the most glaring one was down on the goal line when Omar, uh, I think it was Omar in Hampton, got stopped. Um, got hit in the backfield by, by just a free run and defensive end um, left tackle goes out to the single coming off the edge, as opposed to taking the guy in front of him. There was a double team on the inside with the guard in the center on that three technique. So it left the defensive end unblocked. Amar and Hampton gets hit for a loss. We ended up scoring a touchdown on that. I think it was, that was one when we, we went for it early on fourth down. Um, we ended up scoring there, but we shouldn't have had to have gone, gone for it on fourth down there. Um, I think and this is, Again, not indicative of a bigger problem. I think it's just maybe a, a strategy thing. Mac has been rolling the dice on fourth down since he came back, but it seems like this year it's more of a staple of mm-hmm. the game plan. And I, part of me believes, part of me believes it, it's, a, it's twofold. Number one, he knows that he's got players on offense that can make the plays and convert those fourth downs. So treating drives, at, treating almost anywhere on the field as four down territory is a luxury that they have with that quarterback and with that offense and that personnel. The other component of it, I think prong two is Mac believes he's got to score touchdowns and can't settle for field goals until we get the defense figured out. Um, now EJ will talk about how it looks like the defense might've got figured out at least this week. And this was a big time opponent conference opponent held him to 10 points. Pretty, pretty good outing. Um, but I think generally what you're seeing in the fourth down attempts, the consistency and the frequency of fourth down attempts is 
confidence in your personnel to get it done, but also sort of a, an urgency, a scramble almost um, that we got to score touchdowns. We're not going to be able to beat teams on just field goals. So uh, keep an eye on that moving forward for the rest of the year. But I think once the defense gets figured out, which it will get figured out at some point, um, once the defense you know, shores up a little bit, you'll see a little bit less of that risk-taking on fourth down. Yeah, the the play you were talking about, Omar and Hampton gets stuffed in the backfield. Carolina goes for it on fourth down. And, you know, who else but the magnet Morales to come <laughs> away with the touchdown. He is he is quietly moving up the the all-time touchdown list for Carolina. He's got nine touchdowns. You know, he's he's gonna find himself in the end zone plenty more times as the season goes on. But EJ, uh, the defense has been the talk of this Carolina team uh, this season and it's been the pro- the the biggest storyline with how they've kind of underdelivered. Saturday looked like it was a step for them in the right direction, holding Virginia Tech to 10 points. What were your biggest takeaways from this game? These are the guys who I thought that we were going to have playing out there uh, for us every Saturday. I hear talk that after the Notre Dame game that there was an all-hands meeting, which I'm kind of glad based on the incident that happened on the sideline. But this is the positivity pod, and we're not going to focus on that. I I just feel like that meeting's kind of changed thing because what you saw out there was guys flying around. You saw guys being physical. You saw our defensive line establishing a line of scrimmage. I mean, Ray Bohasic basically stopped the whole drive by itself. He gets to pass the play on one of the drives. He gets a pass deflection on first down. He gets a tackle at the line of scrimmage, and then he makes another play. I mean, this guy was flying around so much. I'm like, is this guy playing linebacker or is he playing nose guard? So those are the type of things that I like to see. When you saw our linebackers filling gaps, they fill, they fill gaps with authority. They were they were they were knocking guys back. I mean, it, it just really looked like the, the team that I've been wanting to see. And it's kind of you kind of alluded to earlier. Virginia Tech has that reputation and they want to hang their hats on the physicality of their defense. But I really think that, that well, I, I don't think I know that we brought the physicality to them. We were running around. We, we were getting to the ball. We were making tackles. We were we, we, we played assignment football yesterday and it was discipline. Yeah, we gave up one touchdown. But I mean, that, that, that was a heck of a drive. And I think that we really showed that we can be a bend, don't break defense. Um, and, and I think my biggest takeaway is that. So one thing that we were talking about is that our team our, our, our defense hasn't been starting fast and they haven't been finishing games. Well, I think I, we, we saw both of those things from those defenses. And, and, and just as how I kind of get on these guys, I'm just as excited waking up today that, hey, if you guys can put this together um, against an ACC opponent and just play this brand of, of defense for the rest of the season, um, I, I definitely think that we, we, we can really turn things around and really kind of end up where we didn't think we were going to be. I mean, these guys are, are, are really taking care of business and they, they just look like they were having so much more fun out there. They look so much more relaxed. They look more confident. They were high-fiving each other and celebrating after play. So everything that I saw from that defense, it just looks like they've been re-energized, reinvigorated. And I think that comes from some of that leadership stepping up and saying, hey, guys, our defense is littered with all this talent. We have a great coach and a great defensive mind coaching us. We have an offense that's going to put up 40 to 50 points every game. If we go out and do our point, our part, we can be a dominant, we can be a dominant football team. And I think that our defense made a, a turn in the right direction yesterday. So I'm excited to see uh, what they have uh, for the rest of the season. And I also saw some pass rush. Yeah, we don't have the big sack numbers, but none of their quarterbacks were comfortable all night. And that's one of the things that that I was kind of alluding to last week. Us, Our ability to rush the passer made it a lot easier to just play the run on the way to the quarterback because we were establishing 
the new line of scrimmage. So all in all, I'm just proud of what we saw from this defense, and I'm glad we were able to do it against an ACC opponent who's really been a thorn in our side over the past few years or basically since they've been in the ACC. Yeah, this was this was as ideal a start as Carolina could have had for starting conference play. You come in with a lot of questions on the defense. Virginia Tech has a good defense. The offense answers every question that you could possibly have. Drake May continues to be Drake May. He is one of, if not the best quarterback in the country. And I think that's going to be a point uh, we make probably later on. Um, But the, the defense was the star of the game for me where they had so much pressure on them. And knowing that a lot of these games are going to come down to can the defense get enough stops? Can the defense not make the standard like we've talked about be perfection for the offense? And I think this this was a great step in that right direction where, you know, we're we're critical of these guys because we we see the potential that they have. We we know that they can play like this. Uh, I think back to the 2015 team when Coach Chiswick was my defensive coordinator and Shaq, I think Shaq described it best where he was like, it felt like uh, we got the golden ticket to to Willy Wonka's uh, chalk factory where we weren't a good defense, but it wasn't really for a lack of talent. We just needed to all have that buy-in. And I think that, that uh, all players meeting could be the turning point where they, they did have a buy-in. Ray Vahasek talked about it where he felt like players were just playing for themselves, just individual football. Um, and EJ, like, like you mentioned on Saturday, I thought you saw that togetherness. You saw guys rallying to the football. You saw guys wanting to celebrate with each other and all signs that are good. And the hope now is that they don't get, uh, they don't get too high off this win and kind of drop in their performance with a a lack of preparation. But the Mike, I want to talk about Drake may for a second, because I don't want it to become, you know, uh, standard where we just expect these kind of performances from him and we brush a lot we brush aside what what he's doing out there you know he goes 26 of 36 363 yards three touchdowns he adds 73 rushes uh rushing yards on the ground another two touchdowns on the ground Heisman to the hill is is are we talking about a potential Heisman playing in Chapel Hill I mean, I haven't done the analysis. I'm sure you've got it somewhere handy, and if you don't, you will. You'll get it. But uh, the comparison between Lamar Jackson's Heisman campaign through, what are we now, four games in? Five yeah. games in? Five, yeah. Five games in? Five games in. So halfway through the season, look at look at six games. Let's go ahead and look at six. Assume Drake has – just give him, give him 250 yards and three touchdowns next week. Um Assuming those are his numbers, how do they stack up against Lamar Jackson's numbers halfway through his Heisman campaign season? That's that's what I would like to see, and that's what I'd like to know. You know what what makes Drake really special? What makes Drake really special is um, he has incredible arm strength, but he's able to make funny bodied throws very accurately. So throws where he can't put his plant foot in the ground, his drive foot, he can't put his drive foot in the ground. He's thrown off balance. He's maybe twisted around. He's throwing against his body, that sort of thing. Things that basically it looks like he's flailing around out there. I think of the throw to Josh Downs. Okay. The the throw where it looks like he just lobs it up. Josh comes down with a huge catch on the sideline. This is yeah. when the game was still, I think, seven to three. The four, and it I, was a fourth and seven where he rolls fourth, to the right. Yep. And I mean, it, that should have been dead in the water. 
And it looked like he was just, you know, just lobbing it up there. And it's like, oh, what are you doing when, he, when the ball leaves his hands? And then he realized he put it in the exact perfect spot where only Josh could get it. And a receiver like Josh. Not every receiver could make that catch, but Josh Downs can. And he knows that. Um, so Drake puts the ball where it's supposed to be in that, that specific circumstance where he has to have it. You know, a lot like Sam Howell against Miami in 2000, was that 19? Max first year, you know, on that fourth down to take the lead against Miami. Same sort of thing. Like just what feels like an impossible throw, a uh, young player, young quarterback in a really tough situation, a fourth down situation where you got to have it. And he comes up with it and lo and behold, it goes and it sparks what turns out to be, you know, just another, you know, offensive show. Um, so I think what, what, where Drake really deserves a lot of credit is his natural athleticism and his ability as a thrower of the football to just make plays with his arm. Um, it's a, it's an arm strength thing. It's a, ball control thing you know he's he he there are he will pump fake and not put his left hand back on the football which is incredible um so i don't know if i mean i haven't seen the kid's hands i don't know if he has the opposite of kenny pickett hands i don't know what's happening there but i do know that the kid has great ball control um he's obviously a phenomenal athlete and he's you know at the beginning of the season i thought he was just lucking out and and finding himself in the right place at the right time and now i'm starting to believe that it's really a it really is a talent thing um Man, really glad we stole this kid from Bama. Yeah, it's it. I it, you almost want to go to the maze and be like, "You got any more kids?" <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, you got one. You got cannot one get enough maze. You got one play. <laughs> start starting baseball for it was a college World Series Florida Gators yeah. baseball team. You got Luke May. Obviously, his dad was the record setter here in the eighties. Now you got Drake. It's like you gotta you gotta pop his, one more out for us because we need this week. Not. This week, actually, his brother Bo walked onto the Carolina basketball team. Uh, unbelievable it's it's the first family of carolina it really is (laughs) but uh drake may he is these are his national stats he's sixth in yards he's tied for first with 19 touchdowns he's only thrown one interception his qbr is 90.6 which is fourth in the country uh his pro football focus grade this week was his overall grade was a 91.9 and his passing grade was a 92, uh, a near flawless game from him. The the only complaint you could possibly have as a Carolina fan when it comes to Drake May is stop, stop leaving your feet. Yeah. Stop leaving your feet. That's been a theme the last few years with our quarterbacks, though, man. Either sliding or not, or leaving their feet. Sam didn't take- even know how to slide. No. Exactly. <laughs> he has to Drake, stop. Drake, Drake, if you need an NIL lawyer, call me. He has to stop leaving his feet because we North Carolina needs him in the Miami game. They need him in the state game, the Duke game, the Virginia game a lot more than they need him to get one yard. We need to get Drake. We need to get Drake a Delta Airlines or an American Airlines, you know, Air May, some kind, some NIL kind of deal. And, and again, shameless plug, Drake, if you need an NIL, <laughs> NIL lawyer, give me a call. But the, the I want to get your perspective from this, uh, EJ. Uh, in regards to Drake May, because it is, it seems like it's so backbreaking for a defense to you defend for so long. You have great coverage downfield. You're you're in your lanes, and then he turns nothing into something with his legs. He extends a, a bunch of plays. There there was a ton of plays where Carolina was dead on third and longs, and Drake May finds a seam, breaks it for a first down, keeps the drive. The defense has to stay out there. EJ, from your experience, how, how tough is it 
to go up against a quarterback that has that knack to make something out of nothing? Going, going against a quarterback as talented as Drake May, it kind of makes you just – you get to a point where you just kind of throw your hands up. And that's where you have to make a decision is like, do I keep doing what I'm supposed to do and feel like I'm beating my head up against the wall? And can it put you in a situation where you try to do some of the things that we've seen from our defense playing individual, a.k.a. hero balls? Like, okay, I'm going to be the guy that's going to shut this guy down. I'm going to intercept his pass. I'm going to sack him. I'm not going to let him scrum, scramble. And – you, you see the guy still doing it. It doesn't matter what the level of competition was. If you're playing against a Sun Belt team, if we're playing against a school like Notre Dame, or if we're playing against a good defense like Virginia Tech, it is absolutely deflating. I mean, I've had uh, quite a few games, and I know um, a lot of people have probably looked back in the history books while last week on my comment about uh, our defense making stars out of quarterbacks, but I uh, had the same situation against Pat White. Um my, I think it was my junior year uh, when we played in the Meineke Car Care Bowl where we're like, okay, Pat White's a runner. He, we're going to let him throw the throw all day. And he threw for like 300 yards on it. So we're sitting there having a feeling like, oh, my God, this guy's throwing and his lights out. It's like we, we don't even know what to do. So It was 300 th- yards and three touchdowns, and it was the most yards and touchdowns in a single game throwing the ball by Pat White in his career, in his which career. was a pretty incredible career. <laughs> yeah, a great uh, career. Yeah. It, it really and he was. was sa- so. I think I think we sacked him four times and we hit him. I think we hit him eight times or something like it was some insane number. Yeah, you're like we, we we didn't let off the gas and we were not scared to go after him. But I mean, sometimes guys just play lights out. And we'll, what we're seeing from Drake May is that he's consistently going to play lights out. Um, and, and I'm kind of with you, Mike. It's like okay, this guy's kind of lucking up. It's beginner's luck. He's making some of these throws. But we're five weeks the, in now. Yeah, we are five weeks in, and at the end of the day, this is part of this guy's repertoire. I mean, these are things that I think it's fair for us to expect from him now. And, and I do think it's good that we're talking about not overlooking what he's done and not just kind of taking this for granted because we have to look at it this guy's a young guy who's getting the getting all of his college experience this year but he doesn't seem rattled from the time he stepped on the field this guy doesn't seem rattled when you have a young quarterback with this type of size athleticism and 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 last of all that final piece that really makes or break a college player that confidence there's, there's really nothing you can do about that because, as you can see, the guy can take a hit. You're not going to rattle him, and he has a great supporting cast around him. So it, it's very um, – I don't want to say intimidating, but, I mean, that is what it is. When you're going against a quarterback who's that good, the best you can do is – then the defense becomes kind of game manager at that point. You have to limit this guy to maybe just only have a game. Try to make him play like a human. Don't let him play superhuman super or out of his mind because I personally still don't think we've seen Drake may play out of his mind, and I'm very excited with – um, how uh, Josh Down is just doing what Josh does, the emergence of Antoine Green and these great tight ends that we have. I mean, I'm waiting for my 500 to 600 passing yard game from this guy, and, and I think he has the talent and the confidence to do it. Yeah, Josh Downs goes for 120 yards. Uh, Antoine Green goes for 59 yards. The Carolinas receivers, the, the combo of Downs and Green, that one-two punch – can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody in the country and then you add in the fact that their quarterback is Drake May who is looking elite at being able to spread the ball that the take of the preseason right now the early favorite is Jason Staples Jason said nobody should be worried about Carolina's quarterback going into the season I think Drake May is going to be better than Sam Howell and a lot of people were like well we we just watched Sam Howell like I, I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with this take. And the more you watch Drake May, the more you're like, yeah, this mm-hmm. 
we we have to appreciate him while he's here because he's looking like he's going to be one of the first people that hears his name called not the draft coming up but the next year and he he's just such a fun quarterback to watch but well, ball, ball distribution is the other thing too and we've talked about it yeah. in previous podcast i think maybe two weeks ago we talked about it but i mean his ability to to distribute the football to you know everybody a, a variety of receivers yeah i mean yeah. everybody everybody's getting catches everybody's getting opportunities to score you know that's something that again a knock on longo's offense from scouts was that there's a single read when that read's not there mm-hmm. take off and run that's they've either they they've either fixed that or Drake is just really good at running through his progressions and the progressions have always been yeah. there. Not a knock on Sam either. Cause we know how great Sam was. So I don't know what it, I don't know which it was, but whatever it was, whatever has happened, it has resulted in really great ball distribution and opportunities for other guys to catch, catch the football and get some stats. Yeah. And sure. Drake, Drake may is a huge reason why the optimism is so high for this Carolina team, because every Saturday they're going into a game and they're going to have a, a distinct advantage at the quarterback mm-hmm. position if the Carolina defense can figure it out and not make the other person look like they're also going to be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Well, I mean, what and, we we're first, we're first in offensive output and last in defensive output, right? In yeah. the conference. In the conference, yeah. And yeah. Nationally, we're, we, we looked at the stats last week. I mean, we're, you know, top, top 30, top 10 in some areas, and then we're bottom, bottom five in defense in, in almost every category. But, EJ, we, we always talk about the – we come on this podcast, we say the, the quarterback had a career day. That wasn't the case for Grant Wells. Grant Wells, 16 of 26, 139 yards. He threw one interception. Carolina's defense, they they held this offense in check for, for a good part of that game. What did you kind of see that was different? Uh, because from my perspective, it seemed like Carolina did a better job in these games, uh, uh, in this game of winning on first and second down and putting Virginia Tech in in a lot of these third and long type scenarios. I would agree with you, man, because I don't really think that anything X's and O's really changed. I mean, it really was these guys really honing down and doing what they've been coached to do. And you did notice that and you did notice that dominance that they've had in first and second down. There weren't a lot of third and four, third and five situations out there. And I think that kind of reflects in the third down numbers. I mean, there were eight of 18. And I think the bulk of those came in the first half. We really that's what's so encouraging about this defense is that we came out fast. We were stopping them on first, second, and they had a little trouble on third down in the first half, but we went to the locker room. We analyzed what we had on film. The guys were executing the defense, so we weren't worried about changing what we were doing X's and O's wise. We were keying on, on keying in on a few things, and they 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 struggled on third down through through that whole second half. And I mean. I mean, to, to, to shut a team out after what we've been doing for the last few weeks, I mean, I don't care. I really wouldn't care if it was a school of deaf and blind. We shut somebody out. We have that on film, and I'll, our guys know that they can do that. The fact that this is a team that that we've given up 70, 50 and so some crazy amount of points to in the future, I think that definitely helps. But I think this is something that this is really uh, what 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 Mike and I refer to sometimes as teaching tape. This is the tape that you go back to, let's say, in two games, they, they have another game where, where they're not playing like they did this game. They go back and watch this tape and say, what were we doing differently? And if it's not much that they were doing differently, X and O, what was our mindset going to the game? And I, I really think that that all hands meeting it really kind of changed all of this because I mean, when you see, when you see that there there wasn't a big change with the lineup, we mostly saw some of the, the same guys playing. Even though we did have a couple of the younger guys and the guys who haven't been playing much get sprinkled in, which is 
also encouraging because, I mean, the last few years, the one thing that we've talked about around game eight is these guys are getting tired. Our star players are getting burned out because they've had to play that hero ball. But, I mean, you saw so many different people popping up making plays yesterday. Uh, Cam Kelly, you saw, um, of course, you saw Ray Volhasek. You saw um, come, um, you, you saw my man Kebon Rucker in there making noise as he always does. And to, to, I'm, I want to take a break and talk about a pass rush move that I saw from this kid because, I mean, he, he has a lot of clinic tape. He's going upfield. He's strong arm. He's he's bull rushing the guy. The guy sits down. His bull rush is phenomenal. His bull rush. I, I, I watch his, every time I see him transition to a bull. I assume it's a loss for that tackle. Oh yeah, it, it, it's really over with because he has that compact body that yeah. that that really can get under a guy's pads, and he also has the power and the speed to finish on those rushes. So I definitely wanted to give um, him his flowers on that. But I think overall, as a defense, the tenacity that we played with when you create a new line of scrimmage, then that offense is more so playing first and twelves instead of first and tens, and they know that they are they, they're going to have to get out of the backfield before they can make any yards. And you started to see that. I mean, in the fact that we were playing physical, those uh those wide receivers got alligator arms in the second half they didn't want to take some of those hits um unfortunately we did uh get some that were kind of questionable for target but targeting but overall it was just a fast physical defense that imposed their will on first and second down and we were able to get the quarterback off the spot and make him uncomfortable on third down so when you're running for your life and you're not a quarterback that's used to being mobile i mean even if you are a mobile quarterback if you're running from your running for your life in the backfield the whole play it's going to be hard to complete the ball downfield and then with the physicality of making the, the wide receivers have alligator arms that's something that we need to continue and continue doing all season these the things that i saw saturday are the reasons why we've kind of been accused of being a little too harsh on the defenses because and even sometimes the offense because we know what these guys can do we've been following these guys since they've been in high school we are very much invested in invested in this program and to see them go out and respond from from something that happened internal from a player-led meeting it's encouraging because i mean coaches can tell you everything but until you take the onus on yourself to take responsibility and hold your teammates accountable i mean things are going to change and i don't think we're going to see anything like we saw between uh noah taylor uh and tony grimes on the sideline that's going to be more of come on brother i got your back you're going to get the next game so um all, all of those things were encouraging but uh playing fast and physical on first and second down is usually going to lead uh to success on third uh and, and throughout the game this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, this is a this is a team when you watch them play like this on Saturday, if you get that kind of defensive performance every time combined with 
the the fact that you have Drake May at quarterback and you have Josh Downs at wide receiver. This is a team that should be playing Clemson in Charlotte for for a conference championship. And when they don't play to that standard, I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes in because it feels like you're wasting somebody like Drake May where, you know, if he's here this year or next year and then you're looking for a new quarterback after that, it, it feels like the you have to kind of speed up your your time frame in when you can win and and have that sense of urgency. And that's another thing that Ray Vahasik talked about after that players only meeting, where it was like the defense has to have a, a more of a sense of urgency. And from, from all inside accounts, they had that urgency this week in practice. And it's something you'd like to see them continue to build on. But the, the came on Rucker point that I had that I wanted to make, if, if interceptions had assists like a hockey assist, came on Rucker would get the assist on, on Cedric Gray's interception. I think that might be the play that you were talking about where I think the right, the right guard pulls, Mm -hmm. he, he pulls. And by the time he gets to his spot, he's got a came on Rucker ready to bull rush him into the lap of, of Grant Wells. And it kind of messes up his footwork. Cedric Gray gets the interception North Carolina scores on the, the very next play to Anton green. So that was like, if if you had to highlight the two best consecutive plays for Carolina football this year, it would be that interception followed by Antoine Green making that catch in the end zone. But Mike, one, one thing I've been on early this year, it, this was a huge day for us Bryson Nesbitt stockholders. Bryson <laughs> Nesbitt continues to look like, um, I, I made a note that right now I think Carolina has three future NFL players on their roster and there's going to be more people that make rosters but in terms of guys who are going to be like first second third round picks I think it's Josh Downs I think it's Drake May and then I think it's Bryson Nesbitt with with the way the NFL is kind of going with that with that hybrid type tight end and Carolina's game plan yesterday it seemed like it was fine wherever number 25 was on Virginia Tech and they're going to try to run the seams and they just knew he could not run the seams with somebody like Bryson Nesbitt. There isn't many linebackers, there isn't many linebackers that can run with Bryson Nesbitt. Uh, but Virginia tech had next to no chance yesterday. And it, it was Bryson Nesbitt kind of going off 98 yards, one touchdown. What did you kind of see from, from Nesbitt and the, the continued production that Carolina keeps getting from that tight end room? Well, I mean, what I saw from Nesbitt was obviously what everybody else saw, which was a big day. Uh, but the one thing I want to point out is we ran, particularly in goal line situations, we were running three tight end sets. And on the touchdown to one of the touchdowns to Morales, I believe it might have been the fourth down attempt early in the game. Uh, we ran a three tight end set where we had uh, Nesbitt, Morales and Copenhaver all stacked right there behind each other. So both were two guys on the end of the line of scrimmage, their hands down. I think Nesbitt had his hand or was in a two point behind them at sort of the H back position traditionally and then they ran a three tight end um, route combination out of that what an embarrassment of riches it is for an offense to have three tight ends not just two tight ends which most offenses would salivate over but to have three tight ends that can that can all run that can all catch that all know what they're doing that all understand spacing once they get out into the defensive secondary in their route running um, they understand the route concepts um, and the pat and, and, and whatever pass scheme concept they're in they're in the middle of obviously um what just really what a luxury it is to have those guys and and it really it lends the 
substantial success down the road for the offense because there are going to be games where Josh Downs, Antoine Green get shut down. There's going to be games where the run game gets shut down. We've seen that already. You need extra weapons in your offense. And when you've got three tight ends, all three of whom can create you know, uh, assignment issues, matchup problems for an opposing defense, I mean, really what a luxury it is. And then you've got two in really Copenhaver being, you know, public enemy number one. And then Morales, you know, behind him is in terms of, you know, blocking ability. You've got two, two of those three tight ends, you know, are skilled blockers and understand, you know, what they're doing and can, and can spring plays uh, in the running game. I, I want to give a shout out. And this is Mor- Morales gets some credit here, um, but I also wanted to give a shout out um, while it was top of mind to uh, offensive line. Um, I've been critical of how much we've been doing in terms of gap schemes, how much we've been trying to do off of that with pullers. EJ and you just talked about an example where a pulling guard um, in a pass concept goes south. Um, things don't go well for him. When he had Kamon Rucker bull rush him into the lap of the quarterback, Cedric Ray gets the interception. The very next play we score. I mean, total sudden change situation. Um, a lot of that because the pulling guard either didn't or just couldn't um, execute his assignment properly, you know, when he needed to. An example of when it goes right, Amari Hampton snaps off a 40-yard run, I think it was, up the sideline yeah. with about, I think it was five and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. Um, the three players that made that play happen, pulling right guard, uh, left tackle on the double team, getting up on Dax Hollifield, number 20, was wearing 25, normally number four, the middle linebacker, who, mm. you know, many Carolina fans will remember was a big Carolina recruit. Also public enemy number one. Also public enemy number one. <laughs> really loved, loved chirping before the game, and it didn't turn out so good for him. Um, real Peyton Wilson kind of stuff. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the but, most fiery I saw him get was when uh, the ref accidentally got in his way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so right guard pulls. Um, the linebacker shot the gap. Right guard had the presence of mind to actually wrap that linebacker and just get enough of him and create some trash right there to open that up. Um, uh, left tackle gets up on his deuce on his deuce block to the to the second level, which ended up being Dax Hollifield. He got to the middle linebacker, sealed Dax off perfectly, created a wall there, and then Kamari Morales is the one that sprang the run because there was a guy coming off the edge that Morales came in and got just enough up, got in his face, locked him up, didn't get a, didn't get a ton of movement. I mean, I'd like to see him get more movement at the point of attack, but he got enough in his face and locked him up and kept him from picking a side and getting to the ball carrier that Hampton was able to hit that lane and spring off a 40-yard run or whatever it was right up the sideline. Huge play for us in the run game, particularly in a gaps game, into a blitz. Um, it really was, or if not a blitz, a green dog, um, just sort of a, 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 a natural blitz that happened throughout the court. If, whether it was called, it may have just been linebacker shooting the gap, but it ends up looking exactly like a single dog blitz. Um, just a great, um, great execution by the offensive line there, pulling guard, uh, front side tackle on the double team getting up to the second level, which is something I've been complaining about for five, four weeks now, second level assignments. And then Kamari Morales at the tight end spot, really springing that. And that's, that shows the value of tight ends in the running game. Many times tight ends and receivers are the ones that will spring big runs, yeah. um, blocking on the outside and, and securing their assignments. So I want to go ahead and give them a shout out for that. So for all the catches and all the route running and all the, uh, the variety that having multiple tight end sets and stuff and three very skilled tight ends in the pass game allows us to execute in terms of throwing the ball, um, they deserve credit too when they do things right in the run game and help us out in the run game. 
Yeah, you can't say enough about the tight ends and what they've done for this Carolina team so far this year. I see a lot of fans that say John Lilly's UNC's best position coach. And I think the only other argument you can make for this team is uh, the person that has coached Sam Howell and and Drake May the, the past two years where it's either Phil Longo coaching quarterbacks or John Lilly coaching tight ends. And they, they've both been awesome and have led to um, an offense that looks like a top 10, top 15 offense uh, for the most part. And EJ, on Jeff Shotmer's podcast, uh, Calling the Shots, they said um, the Carolina defense up until this game, they really didn't do anything, any one thing really well. They, they, and they, and that they had to kind of decide, like, are we going to be a team that sells out to stop the run? Are we going to be a team that does a great job in pass defense? Are we going to be a team that bends, but doesn't break in the red zone? And I think you kind of got a, a somewhat of an answer this week where Carolina with that front holds Virginia tech to 2.8 yards per carry. How much do you think that led to the success that we saw on Saturday in Keenan Stadium that Carolina was able to be really efficient at stopping the run? Stopping the run is really the end-all, be-all, especially um, in college football and even in the NFL where, I mean, you're seeing a, a lot more passing than you do on the college level. But I think that's, that's very important. Uh, again, I hate to be a high school Harry, but speaking from my days, we we became a dominant defense when we dominated against the run. That allows it, it just clears so many different things up. You know when you're going to put when when the offense is going to be in obvious passing situations. And I think this is kind of a, a a continuation of what we were seeing earlier in the year. We thought, yeah, okay, maybe this is because it's against lesser competition the way we were stopping the run. Then we play a team like Georgia State. They have a great game running against us. We play a, a, we play Notre Dame. They have a great game running against us. And no, it wasn't because and I. I I think this game kind of proves to us that what we were seeing uh, with our defense is real. It's just that like, like Ray Bohasic, it's the sellout. It's the intentionality. It's, it's, it's taking the run seriously. It's knowing that one guy is not going to stop the run, knowing that the secondary is just important in their run fits as a defensive line and the linebackers were, and I think you saw that. You, you saw our linebackers running downhill and you saw some of those secondary players get involved. You saw our defensive line uh, creating a new line of scrimmage, shedding blocks, getting off and, and, and running sideline to sideline and making plays. As I, as I mentioned, uh, Mr. Ray Havoc earlier, <clears throat> he was all over the field. Uh, uh, Kimon, who I'm now nicknaming Kimon Ruckus because he does bring the ruckus on every play that he's in the game. Uh, I like that. So, 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 yeah, so so Mr. Ruckus and Mr. Vohavik were all over the field. Um, uh, Chris Collins was all over the field. Um, our, our, our guys really, I think our, our guys really played up to their potential. And honestly, some guys kind of played out of their mind. I mean, you saw some guys, I, I forget his last name, number 93, come off the bench, get a sack. I mean, that's what you yeah. want to see. Cohen. Uh, Cohen. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Cohen. So, and, and what's one thing that we talked about in the past on these, on our pod? how players are developing, are players getting better? And I think that we're seeing that. I mean, even guys who we thought were getting the most out of their talent, we're starting to see them start to play a little bit better. I thought Power Echoes was, was playing at the top of his ability, but you see the way he came downhill uh, the, uh, um, on, on Saturday. I mean, th that guy has so much more in the tank that he can give us. And I think as he gets more confident and has more confidence in his teammates, we're going to start to see more of that. And, and Lord, doesn't it make it a lot more easier to send that blitz when you know <laughs> when you know that you don't have to load the box to stop the run? You can actually have some guys in coverage to stop him on third down. And I think that's what we saw. 
the, and you said it yourself, we were better on first and second down, first and second down or rundowns. We showed that we can be a dominant defense. So I just hope that carry on to the carries on to the rest of the season. And I hope that that does become our true identity because I mean, I don't, I, I mean, yeah, you may have some, some discrepancies in the secondary, not saying that we do, but even if you were on the defense that did have some discrepancies in the secondary, you're still going to be a pretty decent defense if you're holding people to two to, to, to under three yards of carry uh, on the run. So really encouraged by that and just hope that that from this film and them actually, as I mentioned earlier, the teaching tape and them actually seeing the things that they can do, that this carries on and they just build on the momentum that they have right now. So I, I, I'm not saying that this, oh, we finally have the defense and we're going to be great for the rest of the year. But just seeing this after some of the performances we saw, I have no choice but to be encouraged and excited about what I saw and about the growth of our defense from last week to this week. It always feels good when it's against Tech, too. Makes it feel a little more yeah. special. Oh, especially as, from, as a Virginia boy, I'm talking trash. I've been talking trash all day to anyone who will listen. <laughs> I also love games like this where you do get to see more more of these depth guys. You see Cohen come in and get a sack. You see uh, my, my favorite two players to watch on that defense yesterday were 44 and 45. It was uh, Deuce Caldwell. I thought looked really good in his snaps. And then Jake Harkle Road. I did never heard that name going into this year. I think he's a walk on, uh, but he was the one whose hit got reviewed for targeting uh, and was able to stay in the game once once they looked. I, th- I think refs are just kind of quick to throw that that flag and there was an emphasis on it this year from the yeah. NCAA. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and, and it's something that, that can be reviewed. So yeah, and it's and it's really bothering me. I mean, how I understand there's an emphasis, and I get a player, I get player safety and all that, but you know, that for the vast vast majority of these guys they're never going to play football again after college and you're taking game opportunities away from them yeah yep. for non-malicious you know it hits that don't have malicious intent in terms of trying to hurt somebody i mean malicious intent in terms of you're trying to bring the lumber yeah. but you know, <laughs> you're taking opportunities away from guys you're making them sit halves of games and taking starts from them and making uh, them play timid when they come back there's a yeah there's a real uh, i have a fundamentally I have a real issue with yeah the targeting emphasis. Yeah, Hark- Harkle Road, he he planted Gosnell on, on that Virginia Tech sideline. Former Tar Heel. Uh, former Tar Heel. Uh, and I, it was a cool moment after the game. A lot of UNC players were going up to Gosnell, um, showing him love. So um, that I thought that was uh, a cool thing that somebody pointed out. Um, but Harkle Road, I, I think he might make that fourth quarter video with with that hit. And, yes, dude. And, and with that hit. We need. If I was a a fan looking to buy a jersey, I think Harkle Road would be my guy. Oh yeah, I th- I think he would be my guy. Uh, so if if anybody gets a Harkle Road jersey, uh, I need to, need to see a picture of it. But Mike, last question I have for you: As Carolina gets ready to go to Miami, the the shine is kind of off the Mario Cristobal uh, experience. Just uh what is it four games in for the hurricanes yeah they have a bye this week they had a bye this week they've lost two straight games uh to texas a&m and then of course to middle tennessee uh the the daunting blue raiders uh from i think conference usa i think people were saying sunbelt but i'm pretty sure they're conference usa uh but as carolina gets ready to go to hard rock stadium they're bringing the number eight scoring offense in the country what is one thing that you think that this team can improve on as they get ready to head down to South Beach? Uh, first level movement. 
one thing that really harmed them in the running game against Virginia Tech and has hurt them the entire year has been first level movement. I talked about it last week and I, I saw it again against Tech. You know, and that's and Tech is a you know again, Virginia Tech defenses lunch pail defenses. I mean, the Bud Foster, you know, bloodline is not dead in that in that locker room. I mean, his his fingerprints are on recruiting. It's it's on a lot of those players. So, you know, those those guys can play. That's a talented, regardless of how many points they gave up, in terms of individual skills, those are talented defensive players, particularly defensive linemen. And uh, and we had a hard time getting movement on them. Now, some of that is the environment I talked about at the top of the pod. The environment, you know. It was misty out. It was raining at one point. Obviously, we had, you know, torrential downpours the entire day the day before. So the field was wet. Your gloves get wet. It's hard to get footing on turf when it's slick like that. I mean, you're playing on, you know, literal plastic. I mean, the, the turf is plastic um, with rubber beads underneath it. So just imagine, you know, go outside, take a, you know, take a plastic tarp, spray it down with water, and then try to keep your footing on it. Um, it's not as – it's not that drastic, but it's, you know, not – not easy. far off. Yeah, it's not, not too far off, particularly if you're using molded cleats like Lyman do. This gets in like we're getting down in the, you know, in the weeds here, but you got molded rubber bottom cleats like, like most offensive linemen wear as opposed to studs, your know, traditional studded bottoms. Um, it's, it, it can be hard on a wet turf surface to get, to get any kind of grip with that. So I think some of that played into it. I think gloves being wet, honestly, jerseys being wet, hands slipping. It's hard to, you know, get a hold of a guy and actually then start to leverage him and move him things move about a half a step slower when it's wet out. Um, so I think maybe that had something to do with it. And obviously that favors the defense, but um, it has been a, you know, a, a consistent problem. So whether it was the environment that contributed to it um, or it was, you know, historically, at least historically in terms of the last four weeks of the season, whether that was the source of the issue, I think it was probably a combination of both point being that the second leg of that is we have a historical issue this season with getting movement on the first level. Now, the good news is, you know, that is something that can be fixed. It's pad level, it's assignments, it's footwork. Um, all that stuff, offensive linemen work on every single day in practice, every single day in Indo period. We work on double teams every single day. Um, so eventually that, that will improve. Um, and against Miami, we're going to have to improve it because that's, that's an extremely talented defense. I mean, shines off the apple for Cristobal is fine. They're coming off a bye week. Those guys are going to be hungry for a win. Cristobal's a good football coach. Um, he's won a lot of football games as a college football coach. <laughs> Um, they're going to come out loaded for bear and they're going to have something for us. And I would be willing to bet you anything that having an extra week to prepare the things that we've struggled with all season in pass protection, being twists um, and blitz pickup. Some of that's the backs. Some of it's us on the offensive line um, blitz pickup and twists in the pass game. Tough uh, getting movement on the first level in the run game and having linebacker run through on all the gap scheme stuff that we like to have as a staple of our run offense um, you're going to see a lot of linebacker run through. You're probably going to see a lot of blitzes into anticipated gap scheme runs um, to pay, you know, to, based on their film study and their scouting, you know, scouting report and review of our offense where they think we're going to be most susceptible to running or most likely to run some power or some counter play. Um, you, you'll likely see blitzes into that or off the backside of that to try and create issues on double teams and um, you know, where they think there's weak spots, um, in that blocking scheme, you'll see some of that stuff. So Miami's going to have something for us to exploit the things we haven't been good at and that we haven't corrected to this point. Um, hopefully this is the game where we put everything together and we fix, you know, fix some of the issues we have in the offensive line. Because like I said, at week one, this offense is going to go as the offensive line goes. And we put up 41 points yesterday. And again, it's nitpicking, but Drake had people in his face. 
And some of that's him drifting in the pocket and some of that's him trying to make plays. But sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it was him just standing back there and he had guys in his face and he's good enough to make plays because he's tall, he's lanky. He's obviously got, like we talked about, great ball control and he's got a great arm. Um, but it doesn't catch up with you until it catches up with you. And Miami is a defensive front that that can be the point that it catches up with you. So I'm hoping that we correct some of these things. Again, twists, blitz pick up and pass, and then being able to run into a blitz and first level movement, get into your second level assignments in the running game, really fundamental stuff that they work on every single day can get corrected. I hope this is the week that we do it because we're going to need it to be the, a talented Miami team, regardless of the last two losses. Yep. yep. Carolina four and one on the season, one and oh in conference play. They head down to Miami October 8th um, game is in Miami gardens, ESPN to 4 PM kickoff guys. Appreciate you getting on here talking about the, Uh, Virginia Tech game and appreciate everybody watching and listening. CBS Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.